I chose not to disrespect the yes that God had given me because the method of healing wasn't one that I would have chosen. I wanted God to heal my dad without a procedure, without medication, without anything. But God said, this is the terms on which I'm going to heal your dad. It's time now for the Autumn Miles Show. Hey, hey, guys, it's your girl back for another fantastic, wonderful, riveting episode of the Autumn Miles Show. I love what I'm talking about today. Love L-O with a capital L. Oh, V-E, it's going to be amazing. We're talking uh, again, the second um, part two in our series of prayer. This is chronicling my book, Gangster Prayer. If you want to really challenge yourself, revamp your whole prayer life, go grab my book. It tells you exactly what I had to do because your girl over here was living a fake. I was a fake for a long time. Pastor's kid. Everyone wanted me to pray, but uh, there was no power in my prayer because I didn't really believe that God was going to answer. I thought he would say no. um, And I really didn't believe for the yes. Today, we are going to talk about, after the break, all about the disrespected yes, how we do not actually believe that God will say yes to our prayers at times. Disrespected yes. It is one of my favorite chapters in the entire book. I love it so much because it's challenging. It challenges all of us. I don't know who you are out there, but we've all thought silently in our head, God ain't going to say no to my request. I've been praying about this forever. He's told me no. And we've assumed the no when you haven't heard that from God. So it's going to be convicting for you guys out there today. But that is after the break. What's going on in my life? Okay. I don't think this is going to be very funny, but it's it's what's happening in my life. Real life over here. I have four children, as we all know. My son Moses is going through this phase where he is just, he's just scared. Okay. He's just at night when he goes to sleep, like he just he hears a noise and he's like terrified. Um, and he'll come down and they'll be like, "Ah." you know, they stand over you when you sleep and you're dead asleep and they like touch your forehead and they're like, mom. And then you wake up in a panic and you feel like you're going to have a heart attack because you were awoken out of a complete dead sleep. Yeah. He does that to me every night. (laughs) And I'm like, what? Oh my goodness. What's happening? And he says, I heard And it's like four o'clock in the morning, right? So he was doing this for a long time. And I just need my sleep just because I run 300% at a speed that's like, I never stop. So I need my sleep. I value sleep. I need to sleep. I need to rest. My body needs to recoup. Otherwise, I couldn't handle my own life. 
So he's been waking us up a lot. And then we always say, okay, go get your pillow and your blanket and you can sleep like right beside our bed or whatever. And so he's just been so scared and he has been doing that. And so about a month ago, I'm like, we cannot do this anymore. <laughs> you need your own bed. Well, we have a two-story house. And so um, my older son, Jude, was on the bottom floor and my baby son, Mo, was on the top floor. So this past weekend, because he can't sleep in that room, we swapped their rooms. Now, in my head, I thought, how long could this take? I'm very efficient. I know how to put up five Christmas trees in less than two hours. I can do it. I If I could cook Thanksgiving dinner for 20 people, like day of, I'm good to go, okay? Um, I thought it was going to be quick and painless, but it wasn't. It was not. And this is why it was not. You have to switch the closet. <laughs> Listen, if we were just switching the rooms, it would have been like no problem. Like we would have had it done within like an hour. But you have to switch the closets. And I would like just to talk about for a second what boys think is valuable. Okay. Things that little boys think is valuable really to adult women are not valuable at all. Uh, for example, Moses, for some reason, has kept, and I do actually mean this number, probably 2,000 tiny little, you know those little green army guys that's on like Toy Story, like the bucket of army guys? They're everywhere. And I do mean everywhere, everywhere. Okay. So I went up to his uh, closet and I probably, I have like punctures in the bottom of my feet because of these little green army guys. He has 2,000 of them. Why, where he got all of these, I do not know, but we had to pack them all up and we had to move them downstairs. The boy has like little papers from like three years ago that he wrote like one little line on. And it's so incredibly important that we must keep it going on. He's got bullets for his little Nerf guns that he got for a seven-year-old birthday at a Nerf gun party this year. They're everywhere. Why do you need 5,000 bullets for a Nerf gun? I will never know. But the bullet, I find, I find them everywhere. They're everywhere. He's got them everywhere, okay? So we waded through the, the debris in Moses's closet, got it all packed up, switched it all over. He's got shoes that he loved, like shoes that do not even fit his feet anymore. He's like, no, I like those shoes. I'm like, they have a hole in them. No, mom, I want to keep those. I didn't let him keep those. But then I go to my son Jude's closet, who is 13, and he has a totally different perspective on life. And the things that he thinks are important are just like, what is this? Why are you keeping this? Um, Jude, because he's 13, I made him go through all of this stuff because I was like, listen, we do not need like a bottle cap from your root beer that you got in the second grade. Like you need to uh, say goodbye to it, grieve it and move on with your life. Okay. Like we're like, it's fine. We'll we'll buy you another bottle cap from a root beer, you know? So I made him go through his own closet himself and it was fine, but I was just so struck by what our young kids 
hold dear. It's like crazy to me. I went in Haven's room. Of course I'm like in clean out closet mode. She has stuff. It's like one tiny little bead from like two years ago that she just left and she just kept it. I didn't have the heart to tell her to throw it away, but it's just amazing to me how different our priorities are and what we value uh, the older that we get and all of those things. And so I was just kind of sent back. Now we are on the other side. The closets are clean. The rooms are switched. Thank you, Jesus. They're switching. It's over. But I just kind of got to think about it this morning about it's just interesting what we value and it's interesting what we keep. And I, I thought about that even with like our memories. It's interesting what we log away and we file away and we bring back to mind at times. It's interesting um, the people that we keep in our lives and why do we keep them in our lives? There's always a reason. They're always serving some sort of purpose in our lives. It just really made me think about why we choose certain things and what we value. It was just really a sort of interesting perspective. But like I said, they're moved. Praise the name. All of their small clothes are bagged up and we gave them away. And, you know, I'm feeling really good about life at this point. It was a very productive weekend. Okay. Uh, When we come back from the break, we are going to talk about the disrespected yes in prayer and how you can hold on for your yes. I'll see you in a sec. Are you new to this whole Jesus thing and don't know where to start? Or maybe you've been following him for a while and you want to dig deeper into the Word of God. Then you've come to the right place. Each month, Autumn hosts an online, in-depth Bible study through Facebook Live called The Jesus Initiative. The Jesus Initiative is a monthly spiritual challenge to anyone willing to join and grow deeper in their faith. She covers topics such as how to wait when waiting is hard, moving forward in faith even when you're terrified, and how to combat the spiritual warfare in your mind. Autumn's desire is to help break down complex topics in a way that's easy for everyone to understand and implement into their everyday lives. The goal of the Jesus Initiative is to tackle real-life topics in a real-life way, grounded in the Word of God. Understanding the things of God doesn't have to be hard. If you're a believer who wants to grow in your faith and strengthen your relationship with God, these Bible studies will challenge you in all the right ways. Simply search Autumn Miles on Facebook or follow her on Instagram at at Autumn Miles and click the follow button so you can stay in the loop for when the next Bible study starts. Okie doke, guys. I am back. This is, oh, I love this. And I hope, I hope if you internally know you struggle with prayer. Like, you don't have to tell anyone. Like, I don't know. I don't, you are part of my family, even though we've maybe never met. I just, as we're doing these shows, it's it's so beautiful that the Lord lets us and gives us the grace to struggle in the areas of prayer and faith and stuff like that. And we don't even have to tell anybody. We can literally wrestle it out with the Lord and with the word. Like, we don't have to, like, tell the whole world, my prayer life stinks. You don't have to say that. But you know if it stinks. (laughs) You seriously know. 
Um, and my prayer life did. I wrote a whole book about how bad it was, how fake I was. And it's just really, it's really amazing when you choose to say, I am so done with this. I actually want results from my prayer life. I actually want to see God and his power at work in my life. I want to see it and I will do whatever it takes in order to make that thing happen. I will do whatever I need to do in order to make that thing happen. And that's where I got. So I felt it relevant as we are getting ready to celebrate three years of the release of Gangster Prayer. I felt it relevant to revisit one of, I think, I don't know, there's so many good chapters in this book that are so hardcore, but chapter four, I think is one of the first chapters that God gave me about writing. And the name of the chapter is The Disrespected Yes. And I talk all about it in the book. Go get the book if you want to like go into the nitty gritty. But I want to cover a couple of things about us disrespecting God's yes. I think it's easy in our world of negativity where everything is bad. The sky is falling all day, every day. Nothing is ever going to get better ever if you listen to the news. It's easy to just assume, uh, uh, put that perception on God. It's very easy for us to just almost in a way to protect ourselves, um, assume that God is not answering our prayer, not even listening to our prayer. And we'll always say no, even if we do pray. I think it's kind of a defense mechanism. It is most certainly, hear me, it is most certainly an effective temptation that the enemy puts in our faces, thoughts in our minds, whispers in our ears, and he sits as he whispers it to us and wonders, is this one going to take the bait? And oftentimes, we take a big old bite out of that bait. My job today is to press back on you. If you are one of those people that say to yourself, God is going to say no, why would I pray? God is going to say no to my request, so why would I pray? You are one of those that disrespect the yes. Love you so much, but let's just be real. You're disrespecting God. Yes. And let me show you why. Um, God's nature is giving. God's nature is giving. If we actually don't go into prayer and um, pray in how we feel rather than who God is, if we would go into prayer and drown out how we feel and focus on who God is, our prayers would be more successful. Oftentimes, I will go into a prayer sesh, me, Jesus, we're like, you know, we're fighting the enemy, okay, in, in prayer. And I don't feel like it's a prayer that even has a possibility of God answering me. 
But when I start believing my feeling about the request, I take my eyes off the truth of who God is. I want to submit to you today the truth of God's character. It is not the fluctuation of how you feel when you're praying. When you pray, your focus must be on the character of God and not how you feel about the request. And that's where we trip it up all the time. We're focused on how we feel rather than God's character. Our feelings are frivolous and most of them are false, okay? God's character has always been, it always will be, he is faithful, he is good, he is listening, even though we feel like he's not. I want to contradict everything that you think in your head because that's what a good friend would do. (laughs) God's character is giving. And I know that it's giving because I've studied his character a lot, like a lot, like a lot. I want to take you to, um, first of all, Genesis 1, and I want to show you how, how the whole Bible opens up, okay? This is displaying the giving character of God right out the gate. God is telling you, this is who I am as soon as we open up Genesis 1. So when we open up Genesis 1, most of you guys know it is the chapter on creation, okay? But I want to take you to Genesis 1, 29 through through 30, excuse me. We see God opening up. He's yeah, creating day. He's creating night. He's creating stars. He's creating all of these amazing things. Um, but he's creating all of these things and it is fantastic. What is he is creating? He's creating earth and galaxies and sky and uh, systems and trees and all animals and fish and all of these things. We see him create something so spectacular that scientists are still studying. They still haven't got to the bottom of how amazing creation is, okay? We see him doing all of this in Genesis 1. And then this is what he does with it. God is so gangster. This is what he does. He takes the most phenomenal, amazing, incredible thing that he has created. And Genesis 1.29 says this. I'm going to start in Genesis 1.28. Verse 28, God blessed them. Okay. So he made Eve and he made Adam. So they're already here. Like, congratulations to them. They've been created. They were not born. They were created by God. Um, Verse 28 says this, God blessed them, Adam and Eve. And God said to them, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth, fill the earth and subdue it and rule over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the sky and over every living thing that moves on the earth. And verse 29 is where God gets so gangster. He, God took him seven, six days to create the earth, uh, the world, the world, the world, like the galaxies, everything, all of creation. Okay. And then in verse 29, he says this, then God said, behold, I have given you every plant 
yielding seed that is on the surface of the earth and every tree which has fruit yielding seed. It shall be food for you. Verse 30. And to every beast of the earth and to every bird of the sky and to everything that moves on the earth, which has life, I have given every green plant for food. And it was so. So God works crazy, like crazy. And here we have him straight out the gate giving all the food, all the trees, all the all the things. You could read it for yourself, 2930, to Adam and Eve. I created it, but I'm gonna give all of these things to you for food so that you can actually survive. Immediately he is giving. I don't know about you, but if it took me all these years to create something on the planet um, and beyond, I don't know if I would have given it to a human. <laughs> I don't know if I would have done that. But God is God. His It shows you straight out the gate how giving his nature is. He's giving. He does not take. He gives. He is giving. That's in the beginning of the New Testament. Our Old Testament. In the beginning of the New Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, the Gospels, what do we see the first couple of chapters of each Gospel talking about? In the Old Testament, he's giving creation over to Adam and Eve. In the New Testament, he's giving the world his son, Jesus by way of Mary and the Spirit of God. Seeing how he decided to open up the Old and New Testament literally changed my life. I think for so many years, I assumed God was going to say no based on how I felt rather than God's character. I assumed God was not interested in meeting my needs or answering some huge prayer because I thought it was impossible. But when you open up the state the pages of scripture in Genesis 1 and in Matthew 1, Mark 1, Luke 1 and John 1, it challenges every feeling of doubt that you will ever have. God's character is giving the enemy's character is taking. The Bible tells us that he comes to steal, kill, and destroy. So if you are thinking that God is taking from you and that he is not giving, you are actually placing a uh, satanic quality on God because God's character and his very nature is giving. It is not taking. That's the enemy. But oh, doesn't the enemy want us to believe and put thoughts in our head and words in our mouth about how God just is going to say no? Because if we take that bait, he's got our prayer life, which is our pathway to miracles in our life. We move into um, 
I'm going to go to Matthew 8 because I'm obsessed with this. And then we're going to just break down Jesus. Okay. And I'm going to continue to tell you why God's character is giving. His character is giving. In uh, uh, Matthew 8, his character is giving and he is willing. It tells of a a beautiful story, but it also, like these uh, stories and miracles in scripture, they aren't just telling you what's happening. They're showing you the character of God. Okay. In Matthew 8, 1, it says this, I want you to listen to what Jesus says in this passage. His character is giving. He was the gift that was given. And he is the son of the father. So in him, he also has the character of giving. They all have it. God, the father, God, the son, God, God, the Holy Spirit, because the Holy Spirit was also given to us when Jesus left as our helper. Given all over the place. Their character, the Trinity's character is giving believe it or not. Here we go. Matthew 8, 1 says this. When Jesus came down from the mountain, large crowds followed him. And a leper came to him and bowed down before him and said, Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean. Jesus stretched out his hand and touched him saying, I am willing be cleansed. And immediately his leprosy was cleansed. And he said to him, see that you tell no one, but go show yourself to the priest and present the offering that Moses commanded as a testimony. What did he say? If you're willing, the leper said, you can make me clean if you're willing. And what does Jesus say? I am willing. Do you understand how how willing Jesus, God, the Holy Spirit is to meet you in the need that you have, just like this leper? Do you understand how poised they are to jump into your situation and help? But maybe you've swallowed the thought process that God is going to say no anyway, so why do I pray? So you disrespect the willingness and the ability and the character that is giving of God because you just don't feel like he is going to answer you with a yes. I wonder if the leopard was shocked. He probably was. <laughs> if you're willing, you can make me clean. And then he's like, I am willing. Bam, you're cleansed. You know, he was like, oh my goodness, that is crazy. Jesus gave him a yes because he was willing, but in order for him to get a yes, he had to approach Jesus. If the leper never would have asked for healing, he would have never known that Jesus was willing. The leper had to be bold enough, had to be strong enough to walk up to Jesus and say, I know what you can do. If there's a willing bone in your body, I need to be cleansed. And because he asked, he received. He saw just how willing and just how much of a yes he would get from Jesus. But what if he was like all the other lepers who never asked? 
I wonder how many lepers Jesus would have healed if they all would have come to him and said, yo, can I get some of that? (laughs) I wonder how many, how many lines of people with health issues he would have healed if they just would have approached him and said, can I get it healed? We know that he did so many miracles that Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John uh, can't even, they didn't even, like they can't even put all the miracles in the scripture. That's exactly what the scripture actually tells us about everything that he did, which tells me he is willing. That was in one particular uh, miracle that he did. I am willing, which tells you something about his character. His character is giving if he is willing to be cleansed. I, for you today and in the book, this is also in the book. I love it so much. I wanted to read it to you today because maybe you think, oh, God isn't willing, um, or I'm going to assume he's saying no. I have listed for you 37 times that Jesus said yes when he was approached. And these are the ones that we know about. And I'm going to read them all. Jesus turns water into wine, John 2, 1 through 11, because he was approached. And someone said, Mary, his mom, said, you going to help these people out? So he did. Jesus healed an official's son in John 4, 43 through 54. Jesus drives out an evil spirit, thank you, Jesus, in Mark 1, 21 through 27, Luke 4, 31 through 36. Jesus heals Peter's mother-in-law in Matthew, Mark, and Luke. You can read all of these um, chapter verses um, in the book. They're all in there. I'm not going to go through all of them because it's a lot. Therefore, <laughs> I proved my point really well. Jesus heals many sick at evening. It's in Matthew, Mark, and Luke. First miraculous catch of fish. Luke 5, 1 through 11. Jesus cleanses a man with leprosy. Oh, I think we just read about that guy. Matthew, Mark, and Luke is where this particular miracle is listed. Jesus healed a centurion's servant. It's in Matthew and Luke. Jesus heals a paralytic. Matthew, Mark, and Luke. Jesus heals a man's withered hand. That's in Matthew, Mark, and Luke. Jesus raises a widow in Nain. That's in Luke 7, 11 through 17. Jesus calms the storm. Matthew, Mark, Luke. Jesus casts demons into a herd of pigs. That's in Matthew, Mark, and Luke. A lot of these are in Matthew, Mark, and Luke. John like took a whole different angle to everything. Jesus heals a woman in the crowd when he turns around and says, who touched me? Matthew, Mark, Luke. Jesus raises Jairus' daughter, who was actually waiting for him to come to his house while he healed the woman um, with the issue of blood. That's in Matthew, Mark, and Luke. Jesus heals two blind men in Matthew. Jesus heals a man unable to speak in Matthew. Jesus heals an invalid in Bethsaida. Jesus feeds 5,000. Why? Because he was asked about where they're going to eat. So he just says, my character's willing. My spirit's willing. Give me those five loaves and two fish. I'm going to feed you all. 
Jesus walks on water. Matthew, Mark, Luke. Jesus heals many sick at Gennesaret. Matthew and Mark. Jesus heals a Gentile woman's demon-possessed daughter. That's in Matthew and Mark. Jesus heals a deaf man in Mark. Jesus feeds 4,000. One of my favorite passages in Scripture, even more than the 5,000, Matthew and Mark. Jesus heals a blind man at Bethsaida, Mark. Jesus heals a man born blind in John. Jesus heals a boy with a demon, Matthew, Mark, and Luke. A miraculous temple tax in a fish's mouth. That's in Matthew. Jesus heals a blind, mute, demonic in Matthew and Luke. Jesus heals a crippled woman in Luke. Jesus heals a man with dropsy on the Sabbath. Oh, the nerve in Luke. Jesus cleanses 10 lepers in Luke. Jesus raises Lazarus from the dead in John. Jesus restores sight to blind Bartimaeus in Matthew, Mark, and Luke. Jesus withers a fig tree in Matthew and Mark. Jesus heals a servant's severed ear in Luke. And the second miraculous catch is in John. Listen to me, guys. Does this speak of a God who is stingy with his power? Does this speak of a God who lords over us and says, I know your need and I'm going to say no. No, this proves my point. That God's character is so giving. But every time in scripture that he was able to give a yes, he had to be approached with the request. And then one step further, he set the terms for the answer to prayer. One guy had to go, he spit in his eyes. That was weird. Okay. <laughs> I was like, so super weird. Uh, the lepers had to turn around and run uh, and like walk away. And as they went, they were healed. I mean, there was a lot of really strange things that Jesus did to answer the request of the people. Okay. The terms of the yes was up to him. And I think that's a lot, a lot of where we get stuck. We want the yes. And when the yes isn't given on our terms, which would be our way and our timing, that's when we start to assume the no. But what you have to do in prayer when you're looking at a giving God who gave us creation, like literally gave it to Adam and Eve. Like, here you go. Have fun with the trees and the fruits and the fish. Like, have a good time. He literally gave it to them. Okay. Then he gave us his son. Then he told the uh, leper, I am willing. And then I just read you 37 times in the scriptures that he said yes. So we know his character is giving. I just proved my point. But we get stuck in the terms of the yes. You might have a yes. But you're assuming the no because you're not willing to do the terms of the yes. There's a man in the Old Testament. His name was Naaman and he was leprous. And he needed to be healed. And when the great prophet gave him the terms of the yes, he declined to do them. Until 
He humbled himself and went and dipped in the Jordan seven times. The terms of the yes is where we get messed up. God may be giving you a yes right now, but it's not the terms in which you thought he should give them to you. It's a different way. It looks weird. Things are funny. So you're assuming God said no when actually he's saying yes. He just wants it done a certain way. If God has told you, I'm going to heal you. I'm going to give you that baby. I'm going to give you a mate. I'm going to heal your marriage. I'm going to bring that prodigal son home. I'm going to provide for you financially. And he has said it. His yes is on his terms, not yours. What we need to do is surrender the terms of how and why and when to the Lord. And that's when you start seeing the yeses. You guys, my dad had like the worst AFib. Um, If you know anything about AFib, which I don't, I just know he had it a long time and it's a disease where your heart beats out of um, rhythm and it's, um, he had it extremely bad. It was horrible. He had it bad for, oh my gosh, so many years. And he suffered you guys. And it was so crazy because when his heart would go into this rhythm uh, that atrial fibrillation is, it was so uncomfortable to him that like everything would change. His mood would change. He would become super grouchy, which I mean, his heart wasn't beating in rhythm. So we all understood he would need to go to bed. He would need to lie down. So it was a life altering disease that he had for several years. And I remember praying for him over and over again. And I would be like, Lord, just heal my dad. Like he's a faithful servant of yours. Like he is like legit, like your man. Like he is your mouthpiece. He has told so many people about Jesus. And I would be like, why in the world are you not healing my dad? And I would pray so often. Oh, Lord Jesus, heal my dad. And he would have all these like medications and all the stuff that he would do. And it just never seemed to work for him. So I kept praying. I believe one time God told me, Autumn, I'm going to heal heal your dad. And I remembered that and I internalized that and I started praying, okay, Lord, I am praying what you told me. This is not a figment of my imagination. I am praying what you told me and you said you would heal him. So I prayed what God told me, not what I felt based on God's character and not what I saw. One day we had a, uh, he went to, he, I think had a heart attack actually. I think he had a heart attack and um, he went to the ho- hospital in Indianapolis and he was not around his normal doctors. And one of the doctors looked at him and said, um, there's this new procedure that you could do and it would heal you from AFib. Would you like to do it? <laughs> We're all like, uh, yeah, we want to do it. When God told me he was going to heal my dad, I didn't even know this was an option. And I remember walking into the, he actually had to have open heart surgery for other reasons, but then he, he also, uh, they did this procedure while they were doing open heart surgery. And I remember walking in, in the hospital room right before they wheeled him out. And I looked at my dad and I was hugging him and I said, dad, you're going to be okay. God's going to heal you. Cause I knew what God had told me. 
And he looked at me and he said, are you sure? Are you positive? And because God had told me, yes, I'm going to heal your dad. I was able to look back at my dad, my preacher father and say, yeah, he's going to heal you. Y'all, we went into that waiting room and we waited and the nurse came out. There were several updates as they do with people with open heart surgery. But one of the updates was when I'm about to cry. One of the updates was when the nurse came into the waiting room and she looked at us and she said, no more AFib. Everyone in that waiting room was cheering and screaming because for seven years plus, He had dealt with this horrible disease in his heart. I chose not to disrespect the yes that God had given me because the method of healing wasn't one that I would have chosen. I wanted God to heal my dad without a procedure, without a medication, without anything. But God said, this is the terms on which I'm going to heal your dad. And guess what? Grace was three. She's 16. That was 13 years ago. You guys, he has never had AFib again. He is completely healed. I want to tell you, don't get messed up in God's instructions for the yes. Don't lose your faith when it doesn't look the way that you think it should like Naaman did. God's character is giving. Trust his character over how you feel and press in for that yes. If God has said, I'm going to give you a yes and surrender your no. Okay. Okay. (sighs) We're going to be back right after a break with a question from one of you guys and, um, I hope that encouraged you today because it encouraged my heart as well. I'll see you in a sec. Did you know that Autumn has many resources available to help you grow deeper in your relationship with God? By visiting autumnmiles.com, you can access them all. From there, you can find previous teachings under the podcast and media tabs, and you can order any one of the books Autumn has written. Her book, Appointed, will help you better understand that your significance is only found in God. While I Am Rahab beautifully conveys God's ability to redeem any situation you may have found yourself in. And if you want to add some heat to your prayer life and kick things up a notch, Gangsta Prayer is a book that will help you do just that. Again, you can find all these resources and more by visiting autumnmiles.com. go. We have a question and I love this question from Kelly. Kelly, we love you out there. Uh, This is your question. And I think it's like everyone's question. It's actually used to be my question. um, And, uh, but I'm going to answer it for you today. I often doubt that God will say yes before I even ask. I doubt he will say yes. Well, I'm so glad that you're tuning in today because I just told you about his character. She says, I have trouble believing for big things. I know God can do it, but often doubt that he actually will. I need some encouragement. Now, I just did a whole entire message on this. So Kelly, hopefully you're tuning in today. But if that's you, 
You doubt God will say yes before you ask. You have trouble believing for big things. You know God can do it, but will he actually do it? I need some encouragement. I'm going to answer this one like this. You might not have the faith for big things yet. Can I just be blunt? (laughs) What I mean by that is this. Faith is built over time and exercise like muscle. It's impossible to ask an infant to believe for a million dollars. They don't even, what? How is that even going to happen? It doesn't. But when a person is old enough to understand that there is a God, he is powerful, he wants to work on our behalf, like I just said, his character is giving, I would suggest, Kelly, you start from ground zero with your faith like a child. This is exactly, precisely what I had to do, and it's in the book. And get the book, Gangster Prayer. What I would do is I finally admitted to myself, I have no faith. I have no prayer life. The end, period. And I started asking God for little things, things that I felt like I could believe for, things that I felt like if he answered, it would get my attention because I knew specifically I would ask for it. And Kelly, let me tell you something. When he began to answer those teeny tiny things, my faith ignited. And then I would go back to those teeny tiny things for like a month or two. And I would ask for several more teeny tiny things. Show me you're real. One of them that I talk in the book is about a man with a blue shirt came in 7-Eleven. Now that means nothing to anybody else, but I prayed that God would give me a sign that he was interested in my life. And so I asked him to, while I was in 7-Eleven one day, I asked him to have a man with a blue shirt walk in the door. That's small to you, but to me, I was building a teeny little hill of faith. And when God did that to me that day, I had the faith for something else a little bit bigger. The reason you might not have faith for the huge mountain moving moments is because maybe you never took the time to build it from the ground up. And Kelly, I hadn't either. I had to grow it. Sometimes I go back to my hill because I don't feel like I have the faith for the mountain, but I got enough faith for the hill. Do you know what I'm saying? You have to build your faith up to those mountains. Now, can God give you all the faith in one moment to believe for something insane? Absolutely he can. But if you find yourself in rhythm of not being able to believe for anything and believing for something big is just like a different language to you, how about you start building your faith from the ground up? Ask God to engage in your life and see what he will do. You will be amazed. Uh, The next thing that I wanted to just uh, highlight is Dana. I thought this was great. What's God doing in your life? This is just a little testimony of how God is using what we're doing. Um, She says, whenever I'm struggling mentally, do you guys know that there's other people out there that struggle with you mentally? And they're called our family members right here on this podcast. Whenever I'm struggling mentally, I just turn on your podcast (laughs) and it 
takes me back to the Lord. I've listened for years and I go back to this show every single time. Thank you for being like a sister, Autumn. Dana, you are my sister. Listen, I'm what you, I'm a friend. I'm a sister. I'm your mama. I'm whatever it is that you need to be. And that's what Paul said. I become all things to all men so that Jesus Christ may be glorified. So listen, Dana, thank you. We like this because it says whenever I'm struggling mentally, it's not just you, Dana. We all need an extra dose of Jesus. And so uh, when you do struggle, I'm so happy that you find this uh, just a haven for your faith. We love that. Let me pray us out and then we'll see you next time. Lord, we love you today. And God, I just, I thank you for those that are honest enough to say, "Mm, my prayer life, not great. It's non-existent. I thank you for those that have the courage to finally say, yep, I need to get it together. And Lord God, I pray that you would give them the faith and the grace to be gracious to themselves. And Spirit of God, I pray that you would interject yourself in each person that is raw and real with you. I pray that you would meet them exactly where they are so that you can grow their prayer life and they can see the miracles in their life that you did in the pages of scripture. God, we trust you. We trust you with our lives. We just trust you. We just need you, Lord. We just, uh, we're just desperate for you. I am desperate for you to engage in my life and my family's lives and the lives of everyone that's listening and their son's lives, daughter's lives, Lord, their marriages and their finances. Jesus, Jesus, inject yourself in our situations, in our bodies, in our healing. Lord, I just pray that you would pour yourself out over everyone who hears this. Let them sense you and feel you tangibly, Lord. I pray that you would speak to them, that you would answer them and show yourself to them in ways they didn't even know you could. And we love you for that. I thank you that you're so personal. You're not just a father. You're a friend. I thank you for that, Jesus. In Jesus' name, amen. I love you guys so much. I'll see you guys next time right here with your girl on the Autumn Show. Have an incredible week. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Autumn Show. To find out more, go to autumnmiles.com. Once you're there, you can check out the many resources that Autumn has available, from her books and past episodes to her video series. We've got all the tools you need to help you grow deeper in your relationship with God. Once again, that's autumnmiles.com. To get connected and for more encouraging content, you can follow Autumn on Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube. Just search for Autumn Miles in your internet browser. We appreciate your prayers and support for this ministry. It's because of you that we have been able to impact millions of people worldwide and that we can continue to serve those who need to hear Autumn's message of victory and promise. Find out how you can come alongside us when you go to autumnmiles.com. Just search the top of the index for the support tab. Thank you for listening in today and be sure to join us next time for another episode of the Autumn Miles Show.